0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Prospecting Podcast, brought to you by LeadIQ. If you're looking for a podcast that talks about sales, building pipeline, and creating a positive buying experience for your buyers, you've come to the right place. You know what else is cool? If you're an SDR, BDR, AE, and you don't want to do data entry anymore, you should go check out LeadIQ. You can go to leadiq.com and make a free account right now. It'll let you capture prospects from LinkedIn Sales Navigator into your favorite sales tools in one click. No more data entry, baby. If you manage people who are responsible for building pipeline... Shoot an email over to salesoe.u.com using the subject podcast, and we'll give your whole team a God account to test it out. Let's dive into some prospecting, shall we? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the prospecting podcast, the only podcast where you hear us talk about Mazza wearing a t shirt with himself on it, which is really <laughs> shameful.
1: This isn't the only one.
0: <laughs> uh, everybody say hi to Aaron Barkman. What's up, Aaron?
2: Hey, how are we doing? Happy to good, be here.
0: good. You want to, you want to give some comments here about some of the things, that, some of the decisions that Mazda has made in his life and how disappointed we are. <laughs> in him.
2: I don't know if I'm disappointed. I honestly feel like I need more shirts with myself and very like motivating quotes after seeing that joint.
0: I'm definitely with you on that. So for people that don't know, Aaron, do you want to tell people a little bit about like what forethought does and what you do there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm an enterprise AE at Forethought, joined on with them uh, fall of last year. And we are a customer service AI tool. So, with what we do, we're basically trying to make the life of those team members a lot easier by getting a lot of the nonsense out of their way so they can do more of what they love.
0: You probably know a lot of cool stories about how to be good at customer success and customer support and all that stuff, right? Like, do, do you guys ever, you probably have some cool customer stories you've heard, right?
2: Oh man, I've been so obsessed with it recently, especially coming from like my past life was in scheduling and supply chain, getting into this space. I've been all over LinkedIn interviewing so many leaders just to try and figure out how to do what I do today.
0: So what makes uh, good support and how do you leverage or what makes good customer success and how do you leverage that? Like what, what are some ways you can leverage that with your prospecting? I think that's kind of a cool thing we could, we could dive into a little bit, right? Wow.
2: wow. So. I would say that good customer success is meeting your customers anywhere that they may be. Not everyone is the same. So being versatile in that right is important. Being responsive is important and not assuming. Just being there to listen, honestly. I mean, we're all customers, so you get to those moments to where you actually have a good experience. You feel really high about it, and it keeps you coming back. But we definitely have encountered those ones to where it's like, I mean, I'm just gonna go to your competitor. That was terrible. I don't know how that ended up. I've
0: been, I've been like obsessing and investigating lately about one of the things that I'm really fascinated by. And I said this on another podcast we did recently too. But um, HubSpot research did a study. Where they asked people to line up professions that they trust the most, um, based on on profile what that person does. Buyers took the survey and uh, sales reps were at three percent. So three percent of people say they trust sales reps. Basically, they went through different professions to measure it. And like you know, you have doctors and lawyers and all that stuff. The only thing lower than sales reps is car sales reps. They made them a separate category because they didn't want to like taint that. But um, it's interesting, (laughs) you. Uh, When you're prospecting, I think a lot of people don't think of this, but like you're basically the front line of the first impression these people are going to have. And maybe your marketing team's targeting them, but all it takes is like one bad message that doesn't align with the stuff that marketing researched or, Uh, anything that you do could hurt that trust with that person. That's one of the reasons that like, it's important not to do like gimmicks when you're prospecting and stuff.
2: Um, hundred percent. And plus, I mean, working for a startup, like what we are, even though we're on the fast track to be in, you know, that unicorn status, it's one of those things that marketing is a little bit of a lagging factor and heavily invested in now, but up to that point, you're 100% correct. You know, you are that front line. you are that first impression and you're either leading to an open door or a closed door.
0: So a lot of the, a lot of the people that you're interacting with every day and in prospecting and do who are you selling to usually is it usually CS teams and people that run CS teams or like what's the sweet spot?
2: Man, so it's a bit of a complex beast these days because organizations are getting more operationalized. Like you brought success into play, and depending on the the, the company size, the VP and you know so on of success may own not only success, but may own support. It could be customer experience, depending on the organization. It could be just direct to a support leader. So um, that's the the big reason why with a lot of what I've been doing, trying to get my messaging down um, and specific to the persona is making sure that I understand their priorities because they are going to be different based off of their title and their own responsibilities.
0: That's actually a really good point. Uh, So one tip that you're listening to from Aaron that I'm trying to translate this into a tip, I guess, but you can, you could reword it if I'm saying it wrong. You got to know the priorities of the different personas you're going after when you prospect. Um, Aaron, how did you guys find that out? Do you just get it from marketing? You're getting it from product marketing. Are you getting it from leaders? Like how, what do you guys do to figure out the priorities?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, just ask. I mean just just humbly ask and just that's the that's the beauty of LinkedIn for anyone that's like listening to this if you aren't only out there just being a creeper on LinkedIn just you know showing up as a view in someone's notifications you should definitely try to do a little bit more do yourself a favor because you have direct access to people you're not looking at like a Facebook and we got a lot of these fake profiles so people can be all shady like This is this person. This is that individual. Reach out to them, ask for help, and let them know, hey, you know what? I'm not trying to sell you on anything, but can you help me do better at what I do? I'm real curious.
0: If you're proactive, too, about listening to that stuff, you can tailor your cold outreach and your sequences and cadences and stuff to be wrapped around
2: that, like, oh, my God, I'm having that problem. Like That's what it turns (laughs) into when you're doing that, right? Exactly. So my whole wave has been relevance at scale because personalization can get a little bit challenging. You lose so much time trying to put together that perfect email. And when it doesn't hit, what do you do? You go burn more time to try to put together another perfect email. But if you can understand this type of persona, this role's world, what you can do is leverage some sequences and get very familiar and just show, hey, you know what? I do know a few things about it. Maybe we should chat.
0: So this is actually a really cool discussion, though, thinking through what do you do when you want to get figure out someone's priorities? Some tips that I could give that I'm thinking about besides listening on LinkedIn and seeing what people are posting. Um, LinkedIn polls are not terrible. You could actually use polls to figure out what's more of a priority. If you, let's say Aaron does a call blitz and hears the same objection a couple times, like, we don't care about X or like this is actually our main problem when you ask that discovery questionnaire and on your deals you're like already in pipe too you can write these things down go validate them with linkedin polls like pick a couple and say i'm hearing this a lot from customers does this sound right and mm-hmm. the cool part is that people that will participate will be the portfolio of business that like you've closed the past year that you've been at the company right
2: Absolutely. I'm a big fan of reviewing game tape because in that conversation, there's a lot of good things that you can use to refine your messaging. Definitely don't get too married to one thing. If it works, go ahead and file it away, make it a part of your next sequence, but start reviewing those successful conversations, take those nuggets, put them into play, go ask people, do a poll, like what you're saying, validate it and put it to work. See how it hits.
0: Um, One of the things that we used to tell people when like all the sales engagement platforms were first coming out, I know if you listen to lead IQ, you know, we're like really pro personalization and stuff. But if you're, if you're listening to some of the stuff Aaron's mentioning about sequences, the cool part is you also can test messaging faster with Mm -hmm. a sequence when you're first starting out or when you're trying to sell to a new group. So like if you come out with a new product and you're trying to figure out who could use it, go run that thing to buy some prospects and see if you get bites and nibbles from it and then report that back to marketing or use it almost like a research arm. I think it's kind of a smart approach. Aaron, do you do, as an AE, are you doing a lot of prospecting anymore or is it mainly sourced from other people?
2: Yeah, so I never want to rely on someone else to feed me completely. So I'm absolutely out there doing my thing every day. Um, you know, got a time block for it, got to make sure that it gets done. And I'm a big fan of prospecting at lunch, try and get some food in so I'm not all weird on the phone acting kooky.
0: It's like, why is he get? it sounds like he has acid reflex on this call. What's going on there? <laughs> like your call intelligence software is just recording it. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of, it's weird. Right around one o'clock he gets uh burpee. It's really strange. That's
2: when the coffee fails and all of a sudden <laughs> I'm like, what are, you, what are you, how are you going to respond to some of these objections? Do you have it or are you just getting just stone We'll find out.
0: I always hit a wall at three 30. That's like, yeah. that's when I like really am toughing it out. And sometimes I have to just go get another cup of coffee or something, um, Do you do more call or email? Like, what do you like more? What are you more comfortable with?
2: You know what? So I've been actually obsessed with uh, email recently. I do everything. So it's important to be, you know, well-versed. I think everything complements everything. Also, depending on the person, um, you might even say, depending on the tenure of that person in that role, they might be active in one way as opposed to the other. But I've been really obsessing over email copy recently because I think that with how over-inundated people are, with these emails, everything feels like a marketing campaign. If you can get very brief with it, if you can get really on point with what it is that you're trying to say, and you make that mobile optimized, people read it, they get it, and then you have a lot more success.
0: You know how you used to work at Buy Appointment only many years ago, Maza. Of course I do. Did you ever sell the customer success teams?
1: Customer success, um, or, he, or
0: customer support, the like customer
1: experience. So, so I actually, when I was at, um, uh, TBR, I, I actually sold to customer experience, customer insights, yeah. mm-hmm. um, things like that more often. That's really the only experience I have with those teams, but um, th- definitely had a bunch of conversations with those people for sure.
2: And success is post sale, so I could definitely see the the experience side of things because they're going to take that on, on to the pre sale mm-hmm. side of it too. How can we funnel people in and then make sure that you know we can we can convert? So. I know you work at my appointment only. That's cool. I used to work at a company that was called appointment plus or got acquired like a year or so ago. So I yeah, of those okay. hundred,
1: 180 dials a day. Cold <laughs> calls, cold calls, cold calls. No that was, contact also, that was like, get, to the,
0: get on the phones, dude. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I miss those days sometimes. Oof. Nah, I don't know. <laughs>
2: I don't know. It's good to have it in the rear view. To be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> You know what though? I bet I bet when you get someone into a conversation though for yourself, Aaron, like you're probably like it's easier to pull in other people. So let's say you get someone on the phone, you're working on opportunity. Um do you try and rope in more people? Like is that kind of your goal when you're working on these deals and stuff? Or are you how do you approach that?
2: So within their organization?
0: Yeah. Like let's pretend you were selling to lead IQ right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like what and you were doing a call. Let's say you're started with Jonathan Whetstone, who's our our customer success manager, right? Um, you have a cool call with him. Are you trying to rope other people in right away or what's your approach?
2: Yeah. I mean, I want to get to power as soon as possible. So if he's going to be a CS manager, I know that he rolls up to someone. I want to find out and what that person's priorities are. And I want to get them into the next conversation because the likelihood of us being able to compress that deal and close it is just more likely. If I have to rely on someone that has to go up the chain of command, I mean, we don't have as much leverage and then we're really trying to push someone out of their comfort zone and it may or may not work. So multi-thread as quick as possible. Ask about it in that discovery call. Who else is missing out on this? Who else would love to have this, this chat with us? And then once they name drop, just become friends with them on LinkedIn. See if you can get their info, try and grab their ear and see what we can do from there. If you want to
0: really impress someone too, you could also look up in sales nav and try and be like, confirm names. Like, obviously it's good to ask open-ended, like, hey, who else should be involved? Like, if you go and say like, hey, what about Chris? Or what mm-hmm. about or what about Stacy? Are these people, sp- these are made up people. My- these are my imaginary friends, guys. What's up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> That's Chris. He sounds like the gingerbread man from Shrek for some reason. But <laughs> Not the guy um, who got buttons. <laughs> I was, yeah, not the gun
2: drop buttons. That's like what it turned into <laughs> for
0: some reason. You're a monster. Yeah, do you know the Muffin Man? Why are we doing Shrek quotes? What happened? Um, <laughs>
2: uh, why not? Any day that ends in Y is a good day for Shrek quotes.
0: I, I have a challenge for you, and I want you to do a call, but just do that voice the whole time. Oh and see how many options you get. It like, might man, this guy actually really needs some work. Deals. It might work. <laughs> It's it's funny. One of the things that like we'll talk about when we we will like close teams and sometimes we'll do training and advice with them on cold calling. And one of the things I always tell people is like, Hey, don't do phone voice. Like some people, they get on a call and they go up a couple decimals. And when they do that, you're less comfortable with like, let's say you talk in the key of G and now you're talking in the key of D you're up five. It's a lot harder for you to calm down. You start talking faster and your discomfort talking to that person makes them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's actually It's funny, we just pulled a tip out of doing some improv about Shrek, but um, (laughs) that's what happens. I mean, you guys
2: do a good job on it too. I know from that webinar that we did, now your guys' style is very, it flows well, very conversational. I love the humor that you bring into it as well. And I mean, just like when we were talking about trying to multi-thread, you come to it with your research.
0: Yeah, uh, thanks. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I was going to actually bring up, we did this, uh, the mock call, rate my pitch thing with Jason Bay last month. And we had people come on and do calls with us where they would pretend they were mock calling and Jason would be the guinea pig. Or um, We also did it with Will Aiken at Vidyard slash Salesfeed, um, And they would pretend to be the customer. And then Jason was giving tips about it. One of the things that really blew my mind that I never really thought of, and I, I hope people don't make fun of me for this. Jason said that you need to get into conversations with people and have talk tracks that pass you up, not down. Um, and I, I've been really thinking about it a lot with the way that I'm getting pitched these days. Because a lot of the time I get an email as a VP of marketing. Um, well, they'll ask me or try and sell me on something for marketing. And the first thing I'm thinking about with the value prop is too low level is who mm-hmm. do I pass this down to so I don't have to deal with this person? Not to be negative, just like that's what it is, right? Um, Aaron, you're met- you mentioned earlier you try to rope in people to get to their boss and figure out what their priorities and stuff are. Um, how do you come up talk tracks that speak to a person passing it up like is that obviously knowing their priorities is one of those things but like do you like what what's what's a senior leader thinking of versus a a mid-level manager like what are they what are they usually what's what's making them scared
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that was kind of pivotal in me just wrapping my head around it because you assume that everyone's caught up in the day-to-day tactics of things, but that's not the case. I mean, depending on what world you live in or what the terminology is in your org, you're talking above the line or below the line of power. Um, Jay Bay talks about in the clouds, you know, try to get into the clouds. What we're talking about is, you know, is it, is it tactical? Is it something that the team experiences day to day? Some of those frontline, like if you're talking to a manager or a director, they're very into the process. They're very into how their team is feeling. But when you talk to like a VP or a C, you're talking about driving business outcomes. It comes into risk. It comes into, you know, making money, saving money and things that are, you know, quite a bit more uh, macro in, in that sense. So knowing that's important because not everyone wants to hear the same thing. If I give someone just a very tactical message, like for, let's say in my world, right? Oh, you guys can save you know x number of minutes, or we can help you do something on this task. If I'm shooting that out of EP, it's either going to get filed away in that delete, or you know what? It might get pushed down to someone that deals with those nuances. So you definitely want to make sure that you know your audience and you're hitting them with that right that right speak.
0: That's a great point, actually. Um, it's not just what you say, it's also how you say it, I think, like you have to frame it from a whole organization. This is something I think people listen to this podcast. If you're new to sales, it's probably something you're going to struggle with at first, and that's being confident enough to realize that you're peers with these people. Like when Aaron's talking to a, a CRO, maybe, maybe let's say CSMs roll up to CROs or, or customer success teams, mm-hmm. or maybe marketing's looking at your software and like. It it does solve some problems for marketing on impressions and making important uh, buying experiences for people or upgrade experiences and stuff. You have to be able to step and talk on their level. And it's kind of hard when you live at your mom's basement. Um, we, Like that's kind of the difficult part. You have to be able to frame it. And, and the best way to do it is be prepared. Like mm-hmm. start getting business acumen, listen to conversations. I love your tip Aaron about going back and reviewing game tape. Um, what do you do? What, how do you, what are you listening for when you listen to your own game tape? Like when yeah. you listen to calls, are you like, shoot, I should have said this, or what? Do you, what? Do you, what's going through your head?
2: Kind of mixes of all of that. I think a lot of the time I'm looking for was there something that they that they threw out there that I could have tried to unpack further to get a level deeper into to just more understand something that they've hinted on impact for them, but then also like was there something that came up organically that I wasn't thinking of that I need to resurface in another conversation. So, I'm looking for opportunities to do better in you know gaining more leverage in the conversation, not being so surface level. I think a lot of people have challenges just trying to sell and pitch so quickly without truly understanding what's important. So, it's good to pull yourself away, be genuinely curious and you know ask more questions, get further into it. And so that's a lot of the stuff that I'm trying to understand is, you know, how was I in that moment? And where, if this comes up again, or can I influence a similar conversation that same way?
0: Do you listen to your colleagues and coworkers calls too? Like, I do know. you guys ever, do you do it as a group or do you like secretly be like, I'm going to go lurk in and see what they do? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so early into things, just trying to figure out the world. I did a little bit of that, but I actually, not unless they're, if I'm trying to get strategic, I might listen to um, someone, someone's conversations, but mostly I'm listening to my yeah. own. Which okay, is, yeah. I mean, that's just a weird, a weird thing on my <laughs> end. <laughs> but I, I, I like the way that I go about my discovery. I like I like certain things about it because I, I tend to ask very blunt questions, you know, with a humble disclaimer. I'm like, you know what, why does this even matter? And then that's what I'm listening for is what comes next. Hit mute. And then that's the nugget that I'm looking for and potentially something I can leverage.
1: I bet some of your clients are actually appreciate you if you're looking back into those calls and you actually pick something out that you might've missed during that call. Maybe you can send them an email, tell them, hey, I missed this during our call. This is something that you know, we all also might be able to help with and explain something to them.
2: I like to bring it into the next conversation because discovery happens in every connection that you have. You're constantly mm-hmm. learning. So let's say you miss that opportunity. I mean, it's just dot, 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 like it's to be continued. You bring it right back up into it. And I've I've missed the mark sometimes in my discoveries. And right away I'll give them, you know, here's my summary on our last conversation, but here's something that I missed. And if you don't mind me asking, like this all makes sense to me, but what about this? And then we just continue the conversation.
0: Aaron, what's the highest you've ever been passed up on a deal? Like in, on the chain, do you get up to the CEO founder level sometimes or like what happens there?
2: Man. Okay. So CFO was a recent one. This guy couldn't have been more disconnected from his team and understanding. So I had talking about multi-threading, I had about 20 conversations with different stakeholders in this organization. They're actually a grouping of companies. And so I gave him the executive summary. I'm like, hey, here's here's the view of things from the ground. Here's what I learned. Here's the timeline of stories also. And then I lay it onto him and he's like, Okay. Well, uh, you know what? I don't think that this really, this isn't you know, impacting our client base in this sort of a way. And then he just extended our timeline even further. He threw a bunch oh. of just busy work at them in order for us to move forward along with getting competitive information, which makes sense. If I'm going to ask for a bunch of money, you probably got to get a couple other prices and whatnot. But it was, I was like, man, I just did you a huge favor i gave you the 360 view and you just put that under the heel but i mean what do you do it wasn't a no it's just we gotta we gotta overcome that
0: when you did the executive summary are you just taking what are you using to put that together if you're listening to this uh, by the way if you're a rep listening to this this is what we're saying even when you become an ae you always have to be prospecting like Mm -hmm. you still have to pull in people it's in a lot of ways it's like you're an investigative journalist right like you have to like fill in the inputs and navigate through the deal and stuff. Um, Are you physically making the executive summary or is it, you're just typing it out? Like you guys have like a template you might make that you put stuff into or like, how's it work?
2: So I try to keep, I I hate, I hate a bunch of slides. I know that there's going to be some people that are listening to this and they live and die by their slides. But I think that your conversation
0: polarizing issue by the way yeah i
2: mean there's some people that'll agree with me too i know charles melbauer he's real big on his slide decks i just feel that they can kind of get in the way i want people to focus on what i have to say i don't want them to focus what's on the screen so me personally i'll strip it down to some bullet points the real captivating bits of information and we'll look at i mean you always hear you like uh with keenan you hear current state, ideal future state. So not exactly in that terminology, but this is what I understood about what's taking place and what's challenging today. And I know that this is where you guys want to go and this is what we're working towards. So I just try and sum it up into something that's easy to consume, not too much of a snooze fest, but keeps things fluid. Here's a cool tip for people. If you
0: are using slides, if you're part of I'm smiling, I'll say this. If you're using slides, because I, I, I I'm on I'm in Camp No Slide. I'm actually making a deck right now for the sales team, which is funny. But like I like I am in camp, I think decks are good for structuring things. There's kind of two versions of sales decks. There's a sale there's a deck that's made for mobilizing. So you make a deck that's meant for that person to go pitch it to someone else. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the idea that you need to think about. You're not there. That's one version of the deck. The other version of the deck is showing you some visual type thing that gives you information that makes it easier to consume. Here's a tip, and I learned this in college. Don't show your slide when you don't want them to look. Yeah, <laughs> Like when you want them to pay attention, you, if you're on a Zoom, just stop the screen share. One thing, if you're on stage, this is something I used to do with keynotes and stuff, is I put blank slides in my keynotes. So like if I'm doing a talk with somebody, I'll literally have sl- slides that are just empty so that they're looking at me, not what's on the deck. And I know because when I'm looking at talks at conferences and stuff, I'm always dragging my eyes over to the the deck instead of the person talking. And the person talking is the main thing you're, you're there to see, you know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. let's say you're at the sports bar right you're with some you're with some friends or right, we'll, we'll say beat right you're in there you are chatting with some people you always know that tv is catching your attention out of the corner of your eyes so just be mindful of that so don't be afraid to take things down and focus the camera on yourself because that's the whole reason why they're there and don't take it like you said you learned this in college do not do it as your junior higher high school presentation to where you're like <laughs> three-quarter profile reading off of it because yeah. you have it all memorized and it's so drony. Don't do that. Be a person, be yourself and, and make sure that, you know, we're talking about something that's important.
0: What's a, what's a cool prospecting story. You got anything that you've been thinking about that you did recently that got you a meeting that worked like that was just something that was really un- different or unique that other people could, could take away and try.
2: Yeah. Um, you know what? So I think that where we're at today in the work from home, remote, like everyone's so disconnected. What I think it's important to start to sell yourself as early in the process as possible and double down on your personality, double down on who you are, leverage a platform like Bidyard. And if you're not like, let's say you're spending all of this time on a great email. Don't just let that thing fall by the wayside just because nothing happened. Don't hit them with any thoughts. Maybe Download Drift. It's free. Do a gift bump. Throw yourself yeah. in there, get yourself a little, a little whiteboard, do something with some personality. And I just landed a tier one doing the same thing. She had said, Hey, you know what? That gift really stood out. That was really clever. Let's meet. An- you know another, you know another
0: thing you can do too, building off that, is uh, make fun of yourself a little bit. Yeah. Like be self deprecating. <laughs> you know what? I'd like to see. I see a lot of people do the whiteboard thing with the person's name. You could I, like I'd love to see someone do a, do a pattern interrupt. They're holding a whiteboard. It just says it just says loser and with an arrow pointed up at <laughs> yourself or something. You know what I mean? Like do something funny like that no. or something.
2: People are interesting about it. If you, if I mean, in Sandler, it's uh, okay, not okay. Um, I mean, depending on where you're at, let's say in like theater and improv, if you drop your status, naturally people want to bring you back up to an equal level. So don't be afraid to throw a little bit of humility into it. It will really go a long way and it'll help to break down some walls and make sure that you guys can chat beyond that point.
0: Now that you're in a closing position too, Aaron, you probably notice that people open up a lot more when you start those experiences that way too, right? Like when you're doing discovery, they're a lot friendlier than if you had just done a boilerplate stock email, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, the, the, the biggest differentiator that I've come to learn in my years in sales is my personality. So at any stage, as soon as I can, I'm trying to throw that out there so they understand what they're gonna get into. They're gonna have an interesting conversation and we're gonna see where that leads. It could be a yes, could be a no, but if nothing else, you know, we chatted about it.
0: Uh, Aaron, where do you want people to check you out? Like, do you want people to add you on LinkedIn or you want, what what, what would you like, what do you wanna, you can plug anything right now, you have the choice.
2: Yeah. I mean, check me out on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I'm always, I basically live on that thing. I'm always asking for help. I'm always looking to collaborate or even just have a conversation. Uh, Aaron Barkman or it's a LinkedIn forward slash Aaron Barkman. Come say hi. Let me know if there's anything that I can help with.
0: All right. That's great. On our end, as we usually do, if you go over to leadIQ.com, you hit that button at the top, you can actually make an account. LeadIQ lets you do 15 captures a week. You can literally send anyone you find on LinkedIn into all your sales tools and deploy sequences or cadences takes one click it's magical go try it out it's pretty cool um aaron thanks a lot for talking to us we'll have to have you back on at some point and get hear more war stories from the trenches Yeah, absolutely guys pleasure bye guys